and welcome to Nudging Pixels, where we take a deep dive into the who's who of Finnish tech and design, where we are all doing so much more than just nudging pixels. I'm your host, Maya. And I'm Elina. Our guest this month is Petra Pannanen-Leimo, Insight Specialist at Kudas, a Helsinki-based insight and design agency. Petra tells us about the role of insights in design, the inspiration behind Kudas's project Informed Consumer, and the trends we should watch out for in 2019. A basic design principle is to understand your users or customers and their surroundings. There are multiple tools that we can use as designers for this, which in digital design are user profiling, observation, user testing, you get the idea. A more holistic research on the customers and the market is often left outside the scope due to lack of time, it being too expensive or simply because people prefer to use their own assumptions. What is often forgotten when building digital products is that the consumer's motives, values or purchasing power doesn't really change whether you're building a fashion brand, food delivery service or an application. And because of this, there is a huge amount of research already available on how people consume freely for everyone to use. One such resource is a research project called Informed Consumer by Kudas. The Informed Consumer project introduces different consumer profiles and the motives and values within these profiles that could be a good starting point for anyone designing services for Finnish and even Swedish consumers. We'll leave a link to this in our show notes. But for now, we have Petra with us, who is going to tell us more. So first of all, welcome Petra to Notching Pixels. And uh, as a starting point, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, my name is uh, Petra Väänänen Leimu. And uh, I'm working as an insight uh, in, in an insight design and strategy agency called Kudes. What it basically means is that uh, when I'm working with this uh, insight, uh, I try to help our clients to deeply understand their customers. So what they really need and want today and tomorrow, and what is their identity built of, like what kind of concepts and brands speak to their hearts. Apart from insights, there's a few other terms that get jumbled up into this mix, like trend forecasting, market research. What do they all mean? Hmm. Yeah, I think in a way, uh, all of this is, is the same kind of work. But on the other hand, it can differ greatly. Um, I think the question is more of the scope of the time, whether it's something about the past or the present, we are trying to figure out or the future and what we are trying to figure out, of course. So these are the pretty much the starting points. But um, about the market research, for instance, it, uh, market research may be more uh, studies more what is already existing. And uh, trend forecasting, on the other hand, is more like um, it's actually quite persistent, like long span work um, that is, yes, based on the past and present, but looks very much, of course, into the future, like how things will reshape and find new form. So in a way, I would say like market research is more maybe concrete, 
uh, as it studies something already existing. Um, you can set clear limits to it, but in trend working there is quite a lot of like quiet knowledge and intuition. And intuition actually is like a valid tool in trend forecasting. The key is like how to separate the meaningful things from the noise, as we all see different kinds of weaker and stronger signals and everything. But that is the hard task and, and especially try to figure out which ones are the most important for the client in question. Um, like how to pick the meaningful things and how to crystallize them and, and especially also timing. Uh, it's not good to be too much uh, ahead of time as either. So these are pretty much the most difficult and the most important ones in trend forecasting. And of course, how to use this information and in what context. That's, that's one of part of the insight work. What do you do when people don't believe in your work or can't buy into your work? I would say it is totally okay. <laughs> it's not the only way to do things. Uh, in the best scenario, people working uh, without uh, research-driven insight, so to say, they will create art pieces. It, it is not, uh, uh, you know, but uh, at its worst, they could lose a lot of money by creating meaning, meaningless products for, for people and uh, meaningless services people do not want or need. So I would say insight is always needed, definitely, but it can be like mean many things. It, um, if, you, if you have a good uh, understanding of your target group and who are you designing for, there you go, you have already some insight. You don't need a specific person to do that or, or a specific tool or a method, but then you really have to have an understanding already. But um, yeah, understanding of the subject and the audience or the user is uh, the key thing, I think. Could you uh, tell us the best ways of doing insights? I think um, the starting point would be adopting the particular kind of mindset, like the mindset of uh, um, looking into the thing from the different perspectives and asking from one time to another, always repeating the question why and for whom. Um, but the ways of doing insight, it can differ greatly from one, one uh, way of doing to another. But their concrete examples would be like, uh, of course, like having the background uh, clear, doing the benchmarking, everything like desk study kind of thing, moving to possibly co-creation or validation things, involving the consumer in a way or another. And um, yeah, there are tons of different methods and tools which you can apply for the process. It really depends on what you are doing and what kind of thing. Uh, how do you avoid yourself getting biased by the results? Because often you represent some of those uh, target groups and, and customers. So do you have any ways where you identify your uh, being biased and what do you do for, for that? Well, I think to put it simply, it's like I would say that by keeping the real end user in mind, uh, having a like 
honestly a user-centric approach to your work is the key. Uh, but one practical tip I have for, like, there, there are tools for that as well. Like, uh, unfortunately, one of these tools that is sometimes a bit misunderstood or used in not in a correct way is having a set of user profiles. And I think they really come in handy when, uh, when some help is needed in order to get started with the empathy and having an access to other people's minds. Uh, and I think when done correctly, they are not like cliches of mediocre user, but they are really rather a sample of a user that particular use with, with particular user wishes and aims and pain points. And I think they shouldn't be overlooked. They can, can come very handy. Uh, does Informed Consumer, the project that you did at Kudis, does that address that problem? Mm, yes, partly, very much so. It's uh, informed consumer is uh, pretty much a starting point for many of our um, projects with, uh, with the consumer and, and target group in mind. Of course, um, that said, it is all, all quite often the starting point because it is a vast study that doesn't go too much into detail with particular services or products, but we do use it a lot with our work. And uh, uh, yeah, there are. We have done informed consumer in Finland and in Sweden, and in both countries we have a set of different, or we have divided uh, the consumers in both countries in Finland to eight groups and in Sweden to seven groups. So, so yes, definitely we do use the informed consumer ourselves. Could you tell us a bit about how informed consumer started and? where it is now? Yeah, the informed consumer first started actually already 10 years ago in uh, 2008. Um, it started with, uh, it was basically kind of like a trend forecasting work back then. The first initial thing that was done for it, it was called Kahdeksan uh, ikkuna tulevaisuuteen. And that uh, work worked as a basis for the whole study. Uh, but the study has been done several times now in Finland and then once in Sweden and then we did the like uh, compact version of it in China last year. Basically, to put it short, the informed consumer is, it, it is a value-based consumer study that takes motives and values into account, but also everyday life with its conflicts. And uh, that is actually quite rare. Um, because many of the studies either focus on one thing or another, but this uh, is quite a holistic view that combines, combines these aspects and takes people or, well, I would rather say people or persons, not consumers, as a, as a whole, taking account, into account many different aspects of it. But uh, the inspiration for the consumer research for the informed consumer was that um, back in the day 10 years ago um, we noticed the challenge that sustainability and being being an informed consumer in a way or another is is very much trending and and according to many um, studies you would say that all things sustainable should be very successful but that wasn't the case and that was initially the thing that uh, 
turned our people to look into this that are people really lying in these other studies or are the things that are sustainable or uh, or maybe designed for ecologically minded people or sustainable minded people are they designed in a wrong way and it turned out that no people are not lying it is something that is very much of importance and growing but uh, we also know this that people should be always treated as a whole that you cannot only address one thing for instance sustainability and neglect the other sides because we as humans are such complex and and uh, myriad things so so we should always take more things into account than only like one aspect but yeah the informed consumer it consists of uh, different kind of profiles right so consumer profiles with different kind of attitudes to consuming and uh, sustainability or uh, can you tell a bit more about those profiles and how did you come up with those? Yes, as in Finland we have eight profiles or consumer segments and, and in Sweden seven and what um, what's common with Finland and Sweden is that in both studies we have uh, clustered those profiles under three main drivers one could say those are called self-importance significance and moderation and under each uh, driver we have um, two, from two to three different profiles and uh, um, yeah i would say that these uh, drivers the significance moderation and self-importance would be a good way to start looking into the study if you're interested about that because they're something that uh, define uh, the main motivations behind uh, each of the profile group. Could you shortly just explain what these significance, self-importance and moderation, what do, do they mean? Yeah, uh, self-importance is about the individual more than community or communal side of life. It's about high performance, it's about the self and high ambitions. Um, the significance is, is literally meaning for, uh, or literally it means like looking for a bigger meaning for life and that can happen through the consumption and happens through consumption as well. And in the moderation the focus is, is kind of like less is more attitude. Uh, but in in this set of uh, and and group of people, it's it's not it's good to remember that it's not not always a choice for these people, but it's right like a consequence, and uh, it's very important for all of us just to remember not just to design for people in the forefront of trends, but uh, to remember also that big amount of people who not care so much about the trends or the latest craze. So the people under the driver of motivation, they value like long-lasting relationship with brands and familiarity and uh, security and, and for instance, like the well-being of their family is their main focus and motivation. And thus they might, uh, might value services and products that serve these purposes best. Okay, so under these three drivers, you call them, yeah. you have those profiles. So. Is this something that you can identify yourself 
in also like you can go and scroll all the personas and choose like i i sound like that one yeah i i think it's possible and quite likely but on the other hand um they are not like psychological you know profiling so so it is quite likely also that you will find yourself from one group and also maybe from another group and also these groups are something that might uh, differ um, depending on what stage of life you are at the moment so for instance like if if you are a parent of small children it is quite likely that in your family either you or or somebody in your family is is put in under the uh, profile of caretaker but um, of course there's a lot of variation between these understandable <laughs> yeah uh, so you use informed consumer research as a basis for your work and this way find out how people consume and how they use products and services so how can these drivers and profiles of informed consumer be applied to the process of building products and especially digital products. Um, thinking of us, uh, thinking of technology, I would say that uh, only few of us are interested in technology as such, because technology is nowadays everywhere, and thus I think it carries rather more like an instrumental value to most of us. So. I think tech products and services should always serve like a bigger pur purpose and whether it's about solving an everyday problem or or helping one to live uh, better according to their values such as helping being more sustainable in their everyday life I think uh, that is important but of course at the same time we have an understanding of uh, different motives and different wishes and aims uh, because of these uh, different profiles. So, as I mentioned, this uh, group of caretakers, or or even one could say like care caregivers, um, which is uh, put in the uh, put under the cluster or the trend of uh, moderation. Um, you could think that people people in there would appreciate quite a lot of something that enables them more time with their families or be more connected with their families and that sort of things. Whereas uh, if you look into the other side of the map where you have the drivers of self-importance and for instance these uh, ambitious people and um, they might value more like uh, high performance or time saving or something like that. One good thing about the informed consumer is that it helps us to uh, incorporate the end consumer into the design process so that we know uh, which profiles would be willing, willing to adopt new services at the different uh, phase and, and what uh, time. So if we want to have uh, consumers as a part of our design process, we might want to look into different groups than who later adopt things. So that gives us an understanding of that as well. Have you noticed, but how is social media and technology affecting or are, is shaping trends? For example, the informed consumer, if you have done it for, for over a decade now, how has it transformed 
Well, it has definitely transformed <laughs> everything quite a lot, but I would say one uh, main things would be the pace or the speed of everything. So I wasn't working back in the day in Kudes when they first started uh, studying the informed consumer, but I, I have heard that um, the pace, what, what they taught that certain things would change has become so much faster recently. So I think social media and especially technology has their part on that. And of course, some things do not change that quickly because if you, if you have uh, strong values, for instance, they might remain the same, but ways to, ways to reflect them and show them might be quite dramatically different from or changing faster than before. You can totally notice that even if we talk about like tech trends, like buzzwords come in and even before they are out of fashion, there, there are already 10 new buzzwords coming in. And I think this applies to everything. Like, as I mentioned, like fashion and, and food trends, they are changing really fast. As designers, of course, we all do understand the importance of research and how useful it is when we design. But we tend to also work very often with assumptions. Mm -hmm. We may not have the time for research or for whatever reason. Um, what is the reason you think everyone should or everyone should base their products and services on insights on the consumer? Well, I would say it's about um, creating creating competitive advantage, really, and especially being more relevant. Um, we are designing for people, and to succeed is the best way is to involve people in the process. But of course, you don't always have to, or maybe you don't have to start heavily researching on things, as said before. You could um, start with an, with your intuition and then start even lightly interviewing people or showing people what you got and how do they respond to that. And especially once you are one step from the beginning and you have something more concrete, showing it and, and uh, putting it there there to people might help you to validate your thoughts and to see whether you are on the right track or not. Yeah. By the way, did you find any connections between uh, Finnish and Swedish study of informed consumer? Well, the initial starting point was that we thought that we can uh, make the Finnish study uh, or we can remake it in Sweden because we are so close. But it turned out that we were completely wrong. <laughs> when, uh, when looking more closely, we, we found out that there are actually more uh, differences than similarities. Of course, if you would look from, uh, from other continent, it, it really depends of the, on the perspective and the distance where you look. But, but looking from Finland, Sweden is surprisingly different, our Swedish consumer. But uh, yeah, I think the difference is, is that what it makes really interesting, actually. So a few, a few examples and a few main differences we might have is uh, 
is for instance in Sweden they they have already long time ago adopted much more relaxed attitude to almost everything. Here in Finland we tend to be a bit too uh, norm-loving and dogmatic. Also we tend to criticize ourselves too much what I'm just doing. <laughs> but also like um, for instance like adopting a more sustainable lifestyle is probably uh, quite a lot easier or has been easier in Sweden because they are not so strict with it. It turned out that it is totally okay to be vegan for one meal, whereas in Finland uh, if we say we are vegan, we are strictly vegan. So having a little bit of more relaxed attitude creates the atmosphere of allowance and, and maybe you can then adopt things and and habits that enables you to breathe more and and really adopt these things as a lifestyle and not just like a sort spurt or something like that. Um, across how many cities did were did you speak to people to do the research for informed consumer or was it what was the length, breadth of it? Both in Finland and in Sweden we went throughout the country to get the proper quota and sample of people and in both countries um, the research is done by qualitative, quantitative and ethnographic methods so it's really a thorough study and uh, the quantitative uh, sample is a little bit over a thousand people in both countries and uh, our research group went in both countries to throughout the whole country more or less like vertically and horizontally, so it's not concentrating only on big cities or anything like that. What about China then? You mentioned China at some point when introducing informed consumer. Uh, what was that about? Well, that was great. <laughs> uh, it started actually precisely one year ago. Uh, yeah, we were really uh, interested to find out more about Chinese people, but uh, as China is so huge, as you know, we actually cannot talk about Chinese consumer as such. So, so we um, we partnered with uh, with Tekes and we we uh, took part in the Tekes iLab project, which we from where we got. Uh, in partnership with the Fudan University and we got a group of uh, international MBA students to work with us and that was pretty much the starting point for the whole whole study. Uh, we went to three big cities uh, Shanghai, Beijing and Hong Kong and the um, target group of our study are the uh, citizens of these three big cities. Uh, they are the limits to the target groups are put so that they are under 45-year-old, highly educated or well-educated, um, big city citizens earning uh, well enough money to uh, to use foreign products. Because we are actually quite a lot uh, doing work with the um, food industry in, in Akudes and we were interested in seeing the opportunities for Nordic food products in in China and what we basically did we we went there with our study group or the group of researchers from Gudes and then we had also our partners from uh, Fudan University and we 
we stayed in each um, each city and went to supermarkets we went to cafes we went to restaurants we interviewed people and then we got to go into people's home as well so we had a photographer with us we interviewed people at their home we asked them to do different kinds of tasks to for instance take 10 most important foodstuffs from their cabinets or cupboards and place them in front of us in different kinds of orders whereas they would say like these are the most health healthy ones or these are the most tasty ones and and we really really tried to understand the Chinese consumers mindset and and what lies behind and it was such an adventure yeah sounds really amazing like a designer's dream project I think so too yeah yeah is this available to read anywhere yet has it been published also yes. It's every everything's been published. Yes, it's uh, uh, visible on our website. You can freely read everything from there. And if you are interested, we also are very eager to come and tell more because we are so excited about the project ourselves. So, so if, if there is a need to hear more about the Chinese consumer, we are we are on the other side of the call. So. <laughs> Um, actually, lastly, since we have now insight specialist in the building, we have to ask, uh, what are the insights or trends for this year, so 2019? One could answer in many ways, I suppose, but um, to start with, I must say this really boring disclaimer that in a way, uh, I don't believe in trend watching as such. As, as it is quite common nowadays, like if, if, if we mean it by like passively, passively waiting for signals and then interpreting those and, and putting our bets like what is going to be next big thing like that. But I'd rather like to think as we did thinking that uh, we believe that the future is actively done by all of us and especially in this situation where 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 the world is at the moment we think that where we lay our focus on and what we what we think uh is important is 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 put into words and and that that is something that always tends to grow so there's a there's a good demand for like talk about values there in a way but if we for instance if we look into finland and look into the level, for instance, like incorporating sustainability into our everyday lives. A little bit like what we just talked about earlier, we, we might want to take a look into the Sweden and, and learn from there, because their living everyday life more ecologically uh, and ethically is not such a thing anymore. It is something that is taken almost as granted, it is, it is made quite easy there. So like having an overall more relaxed attitude towards sustainability has, I think, made it easier to, to approach it and, and, and neglect the old types of habits and attitudes. And uh, we believe that this is something that we can anticipate in Finland this year as well or, or in the f- near future. Thank you for coming in, Petra. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Nutching Pixels. We release a new episode on the second Friday of every month. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
Music for this show was created by Niko Salminen. Visual design and art by Illusia Sarvas. This episode was recorded and edited at Houston Inc's office in not-so-sunny Helsinki.